This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Anthropology. I'm your host, Aliza Arjan. Today, I'm joined by Vakas Bhatt, Assistant Professor of Anthropology at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. We will be talking about his book, Life Beyond Waste, Work and Infrastructure in Urban Pakistan, recently published by Stanford University Press. So thank you very much, Vakas, for joining us today. No, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, very excited for the conversation. Same here. So I thought we could begin by you telling us a little bit about yourself and how did your background as an anthropologist lead you to write a book about waste work across Lahore? Sure. Um, So I think um, I could start with, you know, I've been... um, connected, you know, I did anthropology as an undergraduate. uh, So, you know, that's from the ages of, you know, 20 or so till now. So it's been, you know, 18 years kind of doing anthropology. And I mean, I think part of it, uh, you know, and this will hopefully, I think, make sense in a little bit was, uh, you know, the way that I came to anthropology was very much through kind of uh, sort of a regional kind of focus, right? Um, you know, South Asia, but also sort of histories of coloniality and post-coloniality in the in, in the area, um, and also lar- part of a larger kind of, you know, post-colonial kind of c- concerns. Um, and I think that sort of regional specificity, but also historical kind of specificity, really shaped. Um, you know, my reasons for kind of coming into anthropology and doing anthropology. Um, And so it was both a historical and kind of an intellectual kind of connection there. Um, And, you know, I think uh, for a lot of people doing work um, in Pakistan, but also maybe, you know, throughout the sort of the region of, you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan, you know, all, as well as the Middle East, you know, I did my undergraduate degree from 2002 to 2006. So right after sort of 9-11, right? So this is very much the kind of uh, war on terror uh, moment. And obviously we're still, you know, kind of the global war on terror is still with us. Um, And so that very much shaped kind of um, the entrance into anthropology and thinking about doing research in Pakistan in the context of that, where, you know, kind of questions of Islam, terrorism, post 9-11 really saturated um, Pakistan in many ways. And obviously sort of the drone strikes um, you know, that started uh, a little bit later, I guess. Um, and starting a PhD and doing, trying to figure out a project that was always, even though I, that wasn't what I was researching necessarily, that always sort of hanged, uh, you know, cast a long shadow over the kinds of work that, you know, I wanted to do. Uh, and 
um, this might now become more about how I came to sort of waste work. Uh, we're looking at waste work. Um, you know, my initial sort of, um, not in the initial, my third PhD idea of project, which finally, you know, I did, you know, my grants, my proposals and all this kind of stuff was looking at really at the sort of uh, questions of sort of religious minorities in Pakistan and focusing in on sort of the Christian minorities uh, in Lahore and thinking about issues of religion, but also sort of uh, uh, law and the state and sort of questions of secularism and public religion and these kinds of questions. Um, and, you know, I did a proposal, I got a Werner grant, I did got all the things. And, you know, I started my long term field work in 2014, January of 2014. Uh, and now I had gone, you know, gone before and I'll kind of talk about my personal biography in a, in a bit. Um, and, you know, it was summer field work. Uh, it was really uh, focused in on Christian neighborhoods and spaces. And I went in 2010, 11, and 12. But then between those years, between 12 and 14, there were just sort of attacks, uh, violent attacks against Christian communities in Pakistan. And that really shifted, I think, my own ideas of what I should, how I should be doing research, but also kind of questions of access and, and sort of discomfort people were having around an anthropologist doing the kind of work that I wanted to be doing, especially one who was, you know, very much connected to, you know, uh, not from coming from the outside very much. Um, and so I was having a lot of difficulty those initial months in kind of getting fieldwork going a little bit. Um, and my advisors just suggested to me and kind of questions of caste and Christianity was always, I was aware of it because there's a large scale conversion of Christians to, 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 uh, uh, the groups, uh, lower caste groups, uh, to Christianity, you know, between the 1880s and 1930s, as well as after that too. So I was, I knew about this connection between Christianity and caste and it was very much, it was part of my research, but it necessarily wasn't kind of a central question necessarily. Um, and I sort of just, um, uh, shifted to working with sort of um, the sort of municipal sanitation workers who are, you know, pretty much entirely Christian in Lahore and in a lot of cities in the Punjab province of Pakistan. Um, and so my uh, reasons for shifting was more about just trying to find a different avenue into maybe kind of the questions that I was interested in. Um, and it was at that time, you know, I spent, you know, probably six months doing field work in this way, um, you know, working really closely with sort of uh, municipal sanitation workers, accompanying them, getting to know them, this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the sort of, it, it, it slowly started to shift uh, to looking at waste work itself um, and moving away from those other questions of, um, of let's say religion or secularity, law, violence, and these kinds of questions. Uh, and so, you know, there was a kind of, uh, some of this was a conscious process, right? I was, you know, working on it, but some of it was also, you know, trying to understand um, what what was going on in field work and what really was compelling me as a sort of researcher. Um, and also trying to have a conversation um, with people in Pakistan who are interested on these sorts of questions um, that seemed not just more relevant, but want that like a conversation was starting to happen around sort of certain issues. I mean, around urbanization and ways around caste and these things uh, that I think seemed more relevant and 
also intellectually more compelling and politically more compelling, right? Um, you know, these questions of blasphemy are really important and people can research it. I have nothing against people doing this type of work. Um, but it was sort of trying to be part of conversations and um, contribute to conversations and start conversations that I think uh, really did kind of compel me. Um, and I think uh, part of this had to do with, you know, being uh, sort of a diasporic Pakistani as well, uh, kind of recognizing that, you know, I am coming from the outside, uh, not trying to, you know, uh, how can I say this, um, kind of uh, use my familial connections to then sort of be able to speak uh, in a place of authority and being very kind of aware of that and trying not to, uh, you know, uh, use, use, basically use my identity to then sort of be able to claim authority, right? And sort of uh, recognizing that, you know, I am coming from the outside and I, I have a lot to learn from kind of people in Pakistan working uh, on the ground, um, you know, politically, intellectually, academics, these kinds of things. Um, and that sort of diasporic position was also interesting because it, it did foreground questions of um, caste in a way that I, I, you know, caste is something in Pakistan that people are, everyone's aware of, but there's not a kind of developed, let's say, language around it um, in the way that you see, you know, in India or something because of its sort of legal status and political status and this kind of stuff. And so part of the process for me was also and for others, I was in conversation with of like how what is the language around caste um, within social life, but also within the sort of legal and political as legal and political category. Um, and so, you know, thinking about you know, um, yeah, the sort of ways in which something like a certain caste groups have certain capital that then allows them to sort of uh, transform that caste into a sort of other forms of capital, right? Um, and understanding my own family history within that and how, you know, I come from a sort of um, uh, uh, dominant caste group, uh, you know, and that enables a certain type of uh, migration or something like that, right? I mean, these are very, or access to land and these kinds of things, right? And that's very much, learning about that was also like a, an intellectual exercise in understanding caste itself uh, within Pakistan because of its, you know, these relationships between landedness and access to state resources and education and these kinds of things, which is something, you know, my family has historically enjoyed, right? Um, and a lot of dominant caste groups in Pakistan do. So I think, uh, you know, going through this was, you know, it's a long process. As I said, it's been you know, 18 to 20 years. Uh, but, you know, it, it is it is both, you know, a personally like important kind of story, but also like as an intellectual political kind of question. And I think um, it has been, you know, extremely pro productive for me, but also I think for, you know, the work and how hopefully my work is circulating uh, and being read by people, right? Yeah, absolutely. For the reader, it really comes across as well. And it's very helpful to know how you know, the personal and political and intellectual came together um, in this work. So I want to jump in the crux of the book uh, in my reading. So Life Beyond Waste urges us to think about worlds of waste and forms of life, which are both very rich terms that you use, and you urge us to think about them alongside each other. So can you speak to what these terms signify for you? And what is at stake in understanding uh, worlds of waste and forms of life together? Of course. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, the question of 
waste and life as sort of two things that, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, quite often you can easily oppose these things, right? Sort of waste as, you know, the diminishment of life or less life or something along those lines or something exhausted of vitality. Um, And you can think of life as something that's generative, productive, um, that produces, you know, waste in its actual, like sort of thinking about sort of questions of metabolism, right? So um, sort of metabolic processes that essentially result in some kind of waste. So there's that aspect of it. But I think also there's a kind of, you know, I was, as I was sort of thinking about the book and writing it and working on it, I, I came to the language of, I decided upon, you know, this sort of world of waste and forms of life, I think, kind of later on in the writing process. And I think those two terms, like not the waste and life part, but the worlds and forms part are, um, were important for me and and for a few reasons. And I think, um, you know, I, I think, you know, with, you know, waste is embedded in worlds. I mean, I think that was the kind of realization that I had is that once you, and people have talked about this in other ways that, you know, waste is a social and political relationship. It's about sort of, you know, the Mary Douglas kind of thing about social orders and what's included and excluded and these kinds of things. Um, And so it's kind of building within that, but thinking about, you know, um, when we write about waste, we're writing about the worlds of waste, right? I mean, you know, I think people who write about waste itself is important, but I, I, you know, if I'm writing about waste, then I'm a waste management guy, right? I mean, there's a difference between a kind of a person who studies waste and a person who is kind of interested in waste as a, let's say, historical anthropological kind of kind of uh, concern. And so, you know, this question of the worlds of waste and, you know, we can have, I, I'm not care too much if it's a world or multiple worlds and these kinds of things like that's you know um i don't really work within that kind of intellectual space um and so but i i do think you know when we start tracing a waste in its um materiality and its sociality kind of a world opens up to us right and that world those worlds are historical in nature and we kind of have to think about what's being um articulated right uh in those worlds like it's you know in that sense there are multiple worlds in the sense that you know uh, a world of waste will look different in different places and at different times right uh and so it then becomes a kind of once again an intellectual and a political kind of uh question and concern of you know what do we write about you know so i could have easily written about worlds of waste in a very different way in this book, right? I could have, you know, talked about it as a very sort of technocratic kind of concern, right? And thinking about, yeah, sort of technopolitics, right? I could have used that as my orienting frame, right? Um, Yeah, I could have talked about very much, I don't use the language of entanglement too much, I do use it, but I could talk about that as well, right? Um, But because of kind of, yeah, because of the fieldwork, because of the conversations that I, I wanted to be part of, but also to push forward, you know, really foregrounding something like caste, right, uh, within this world, right? I think that was, you know, a politically and uh, ethically important kind of uh, thing. And also finding a language to talk about that caste in a, in a way that is, I feel, anyway, I can come back to that later, but that's one kind of uh, part of it. And then the forms of life, the forms part of it, I found uh, important. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm working a lot here through kind of, you know, Agamben's, kind of writings on forms of life uh, and thinking about the sort of, um, 
you know, the, he Agamben, I think at some point he has this really nice sort of, I think it's almost in a footnote at some point on, on Bataille and talking about how Bataille thinks about the abjection as sort of this weird thing of, you know, um, sort of abjection as a, as a, as a, a socially constructed thing. Right. So, you know, why, you know, why the, you know, um, working classes are seen as abject, abject, right, through some sort of bourgeois imaginary, right? Uh, but then abjection is also this sort of material kind of thing, right? This sort of uh, naturalized kind of uh, aspect. And uh, Agamemnon sort of critiques Bataille within it saying, you know, this is kind of an impoverished understanding of what forms of life really are, which is kind of about not forms in the sense of like socially recognizable forms, but the, the sort of singularity maybe, right, of, of a life, right? And in that sense, what's its potentiality? And and then life itself has, as lived, has some sort of excess, right? And for me, you know, I found Agamemnon's discussion really rich as well as, you know, someone's right, uh, also um, the writings of Vina Das on this sort of, she, you know, works very much through Wittgenstein in a sort of separate, slightly separate intellectual kind of thing. But it, it allowed me to kind of think of life as something that uh, happens, um, you know, beyond, beyond sort of the kind of social level, even be, beyond the sort of materiality of things. Um, and then, you know, what constitutes a life are these sorts of, um, um, you know, all these pro- processes unfolding, you know, at different scales. And so I was really intrigued by that kind of discussion around forms of life that like, you know, and it's in the chapter, um, I mean, in some chapter, some sense, chapter four on waste and disease, but definitely in chapter five, where I talk about, you know, the possibility of reproduction and looking at how people, you know, have come to exist on the urban peripheries in, uh, in Pakistan, right? And what it really entails, right, to kind of constitute a life, right, across generations, right? And I think that kind of question of forms of the forms of life and the world's a waste, I think that was, uh, you know, so it's, it's not just this sort of entanglement between waste and life. Obviously, there is that kind of aspect, but there's this sort of ways in which they, the ways in which they come together, um, you know, are, they're highly contingent in nature, they're contingent. Um, and in that sense, they require us to kind of like be reflexive about this process of writing about these worlds and these lives. Right. Um, and there's a kind of degree of, um, yeah, thinking about how do you narrate these worlds and lives? And I think in the code, I kind of explicitly reflect on that kind of question. Um, and so, so yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I would say I, I'll stop there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that, you know, you're not just showing that they're entangled, but what happens when they are. And one of the axes of the books, Along Cast, was um, a part where this really comes across in my reading. Um, so particularly, you show us that waste work does not start with the disposal of materials, but they really productive of and produced by long histories of caste, for example. So I'm curious about what this long durée approach uh, shows us about the relationship between caste, waste, and work. Yeah. No, that's an excellent question. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's important for both people, like the sort of long durée kind of question is important for people working on 
caste and waste, but also maybe on questions of work and reproduction too, right? Um, and so, you know, you have to, I mean, I think one aspect of the kind of question you're asking about waste, caste, and work as, ha- as having a long durée um, is, you know, that these categories are highly unstable, right? Um, that there's something that allows them, that instability is something that allows them to sort of transform across time and space, um, you know, and for a variety of reasons, but they also maintain like a certain identity, right? And they maintain that identity such that we can then have a conversation of the long durée, right? Um, and so I think, and it, it's it's most explicit with caste because, you know, I think within the writings on caste, both sort of more social scientific writings, but also writings coming, coming from, you know, Dalit writers themselves, um, you know, their, their caste is sort of defined by this ability to, for it to endure through its transformation, right? So to say that caste is the same thing it was is now as it was 100 years ago, as 300 years ago, um, is it, 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 it kind of, how can I say this? It, it diminishes its political sort of salience, right? Uh, because of, you know, that it, it has this ability to, endure in ways that we don't even expect it to right and it it it, it even through its erasure right it sort of allow it, it allows for it to operate right and in, so in that sense you know i think the long durée question is 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 relevant to kind of trace you know the moments in which it sort of starts to transform right or how it endures right and through its transformation i think i try to do that and um the kind of question of the production of waste and the long durée you know i think Part of that had to do with um, a few things. I mean, I think one, it had to do with writings uh, uh, about waste that, you know, a lot, there's a lot clearly, you know, more recently, there's been a lot more work on waste um, and, you know, very good work. I mean, work of, um, you know, there's so many people, Joshua, Joshua Reno's work, um, uh, Jacob Doherty had a book recently. It was really good. Um, you know, w- that's within anthropology and then larger sort of conversations of waste. Um, and, you know, I've, I've found that extremely productive and helpful. And I work through a lot of those, uh, writings. Um, and, you know, the, I think there are, all this work is very aware of the sort of histor- historicity of waste or the historical contingency of waste. Um, but there was a kind of, uh, problem that I was facing, I think, when I was doing my field work, but also writing of how do you take this work and, um, yeah, foreground questions of sort of coloniality or post-colonial, you know, insights from post-colonial studies um, and these kinds of things. And I think uh, part of my, um, I, I don't know, part of the exercise that I had to do to get through this is like, you know, um, and I think it comes out in chapter chapter one where I talk about um, very much the colonial sort of organization of waste work, right? And the question of something like the public, right? This sort of category of the public and how it sort of, um, you know, is, or it, it helps to organize, you know, a, a particular order, a colonial order of things, right? Around waste, around um, labor around exchange around space right and the relationships between people um, and I think um, that sort of long durée kind of production of waste was that's what I was working out in that chapter um, and I and I had to go to a different um, 
let's say, uh, scholarship to do that, right? Like I could not rely upon work, you know, solely from, let's say, uh, writings on waste or something like that, right? Um, or anthropological writing, right? Um, and so, um, yeah, and I, I think that kind of, uh, that chapter um, allowed to kind of see how ca- these categories of waste, of labor, of uh, caste, and sort of other categories like the public, right, you know, have, you know, these are very much embedded in some sort of colonial um, regime, uh, but they also have proliferated in ways that were are not expected, right? And the sort of chapter on, I think, the informal sector, which is chapter uh, three uh, and chapter two, but generally sort of, you know, um, I think those kinds of things look at how, you know, um, ways, the production of waste changes as sort of a material, social and political kind of uh, process, right? Um, and how, you know, something like, you know, the proliferation of plastic, right, then creates a market uh, which intersects with sort of caste relationships in ways that are unexpected. People enter into this work, um, you know, from, let's say, more privileged caste backgrounds, you know, but the work that they do is different than, you know, maybe a, a, a lower caste per, uh, worker would be doing. The kinds of distancing that then is necessary to, you know, socially differentiate you know, yourself from another person. Um, and those are the kinds of, I think, um, you know, uh, it's, it, those are the kinds of, let's say, uh, analysis or attention to the specificity that I think really does allow us to kind of understand this sort of, you know, both the sort of instability and identity of these categories of something like waste, caste, work, these kinds of things. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned intimacies a little bit, and the chapter on waste intimacies was my personal favorite. So I'll use my privileges as host and ask you about that. Um, so you show us that waste produces and reproduces multiple forms of intimacy, but in uneven ways across the city. So can you tell us about how different kinds of waste intimacies sit with or relate to one another? Yeah, I think that's um, a very, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a question that um, I think was it, was, it was hard for me to um, kind of understand, and not the question itself, but the sort of issue of intimacy, because it was something that, um, so the question of intimacy, I think, was something that came much later in my writing, actually. It was something that um, I don't know even if how much I was attuned to these questions of intimacy while I was doing my field work. Um, and I think I, I think that had to do with during the field work, field research and the sort of dissertation writing, I was very, the kind, the way which I thought about intimacy was really through the kind of question of this sort of uh, materiality, right? Of, of the sort of 
you know, waste materials themselves, but also the materiality of, of the labor, right? The kinds of labors it, it, it is involved in this. And, and then relatedly to that, this sort of question of stigmatization, right? Um, that this labor in the sort of context of Pakistan and, and South Asia is a very stigmatizing form of labor because of the sort of caste, caste uh, question. Um, and so I was always like kind of thinking about the relationship between persons and the relationship between persons and things as a materiality stigmatization kind of question. And then I, um, the vignette that I opened that chapter with of like going into the home, um, you know, that was a vignette that was like in the dissertation, it was sort of, you know, like a lot of dissertations, it was like a random vignette in the middle of a chapter and really not knowing what to do with it. Um, and I even, you know, after the dissertation process and everything, I, I was like, you know, I knew that I wanted to return to that vignette and really kind of understand what was going on there. Um, and so, um, you know, like uh, and that that kind of going into the home with the waste workers and, you know, going through a very, uh, you know, a, it's inside the home, it's intimate, but it's a very kind of uh, marked out space of the home, right? Um, and there's not, uh, you know, the freedom to move through the home. You know, it's very circumcised where they, the workers and I could and could not go. Um, and so in that kind of sense, the question of intimacy was obvious, but it also didn't seem, you know, insufficient. And I think what you're saying that, you know, these sorts of intimacy is something that's distributed across, unevenly across the urban landscape. I think, you know, that's really where, um, I ended up in that chapter, um, and and I, it was only when I, I, I could do that when I understood that, or I, I came to sort of really um, foreground that it's not that the home is you know um, fundamentally more intimate than the street or the market or something like that, but there's you know these intimacies. Um, between people and things and people and people through things, right, is something that happens. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's essential. It, it's, how can I expect to say this? It's kind of constitutive of the relations of the market, right? That intimacy is part of market activity, right? And, you know, or, you know, intimacy is obviously, you know, formative of the relationship between workers and the households from which they collect waste, right? But it's also essential to, you know, the collection of waste from a shopping mall, right? Or something like that. And so um, I think that's sort of, uh, you know, trying to play that out. But then also, and I think in that chapter, I, um, it's, it's, you know, I, I think I see in that, in the chapter, and generally, I, or I approach intimacy as, you know, a sort of so, like social intimacy or intimacy as a, as a relationship between persons. Um, but I think in the, some of that chapter, I start to gesture to, and, and even in the chapter after that, um, that how a relationship that the self has to the self is also, you know, happening. Right. Uh, and, and as part of that kind of how intimacies are distributed across um, the urban landscape and how one relates to one's own body and what this work. And so, you know, I, I don't, you, I don't um, necessarily fully uh, describe, for example, how a middle-class person thinks about themselves 
in relationship to their waist. Uh, but that itself is an intimacy, an intimacy, right, that one has to oneself, right, through these material things. And uh, but in that chapter, you know, where I talk about one of the waste workers talking about, you know, how he says something along the lines, you know, we've worked for, with waste for so we worked around for the exact worked around waste for so long, we become uh, germs ourselves, right? And so I think that kind of, um, uh, you know, comment, which was, you know, a bit dramatic in a certain sense. I don't think he actually thinks of himself as a germ, but that kind of um, uh, self-description kind of says something about how these um, intimacies are being distributed through through the waste and the work surrounding it. Um, and so, um, yeah, and, and I think part of the so this question is, you know, that in- intimacy, you know, um, from its very beginning is kind of, um, how can I say, is, is sort of marked, is fraught by antagonism and kind of interdependencies, right? Um, and, you know, I think some, you know, I've made, I've, you know, said this in other sort of contexts or with, you know, friends and colleagues and this kind of stuff. And there is a degree of, um you know, I think there's still a sense of that intimacy and love and these things are somehow uh, prior to kind of some sort of inequality or some unevenness or some sort of, you know, a relationship between people that is, you know, marked by um, an, an, an inequality or something like that. And so, you know, I just think the kind of, to think about the intimacy, there's a kind of, um, we have to actually uh, foreground the kind of things that stand prior to intimacy, which are social relations, right? And those social relations, by the nature of that they're historical in nature, um, you know, are, are are embedded in various kinds of uneven social relations, right? So I think, I mean, I can't say that there's no intimacy in the world that isn't marked by inequality or something like that. But I think in in how I want how I approached in, in intimacy, it, I wanted to make it clear that you know this. The, the conditions of possibility for this intimacy are those social relations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very glad you brought up um, the body and how it impacted how you thought about this. So for me, as I was reading the book, something that stayed with me was your hands. <laughs> and that might sound weird, but, you know, you continually reflect on, like, how you engaged in the space work yourself and how it changed your hands and how it feels and how it looks. And on the one hand, I'm curious about what the role of the body was in your methodology. And on the other hand, I saw your hands as maybe a vessel through which you were reflecting on your relationship with waste. Um, So I'm also curious about whether this methodology um, created some waste reflexivities on your end. Yeah. No, that's that's really, um, yeah, something that I think I had been thinking about a lot during my fieldwork and just the the whole process uh, 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 as I've written more about everything. And I think... um, you know, I, I think I struggled a lot around um, writing about about and through the body. I mean, I think that's sort of the methodological question. I think there was two ways I could think about it. Is one is I'm writing about bodies, right? Um, and But then to write through bodies, my own and, you know, the bodies of others, 
you know, um, I would, I, I sort of thought about a lot that a lot throughout, um, yeah, throughout the years. And I, you know, I, I think part of it, and this question of the body is, is the kind of like, yeah, the pol- you know, the political stakes of writing about a stigmatizing kind of labor, especially in the context of like intense caste violence. And, um, you know, and this has to do with sort of the, um, you know, questions of positionality as an upper caste diasporic Pakistani to write about, you know, uh, you know, uh, low caste Dalit groups laboring in very stigmatizing labor, um, uh, you know, um, you know, lives very much marked by poverty uh, and these kinds of things. And then to write about it in, in a way, even if writing about it well, right, like still aestheticizing, there's a degree of aestheticization, you know, in all writing, but definitely in writing around the body and bodies laboring and sort of the ways in which, you know, working class bodies and caste, low, the bodies of low caste groups are, you know, are um, exoticized isn't the right word, but fetishized in, in some ways uh, in Pakistan and not wanting to, you know, and poverty itself is sort of aestheticized and, and really struggle not wanting to do that. Right. And, and so I think, uh, you know, there is, you know, there, I, you know, yeah, I could have like wrote a lot more about the body or about bodies, right. In the way of, you know, ethnographic description or, you know, how that enters into, you know, my own sort of analysis. Um, and, and this also relates to kind of the reproduction, uh, kind of problem if, you know, um, about the sort of framework of reproduction, but we can come, you know, talk about that later. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of. Um, I think the corporeality of the of the labor, right, is is important, and it's also kind of something that you know about um, what not to write about, or or being reflective about how to write about certain things. Um, and I think that was something that I really wanted to um, sort of think about um, and and do. And I think, you know, the writing about. My that the vignette that I think you're talking about, about sort of me having to lift up the waist with someone else, right, and then just being preoccupied. Um, you know, I think so. Early on, I just made a decision that I wasn't going to do participant observation. I wasn't going to be a, a sort of waste worker myself, right? Um, that had to do with yeah, just the discomfort that I felt as a sort of diasporic upper caste person from a cast background and, you know, being like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to go work with these people. Like, um, so I just, but I just, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And that's, that was a personal kind of uh, decision uh, on my part. Um, And, you know, but, you know, as I worked in, um, worked with sort of, for example, junkyard and junkyard with junkyard owners. And it was also just a way of passing the time. So I would sometimes help sort stuff. And, you know, I, there were moments where I was doing the sorting and, you know, um, medical needles would be in the pile of waste. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I you know, that, that's when I obviously I did that a couple of times. I was like, OK, I can't do this. Like, this is just not um, a safe kind of labor and all, you know, these kinds of things. And um, and so I think there was a lot of navigation on my end and I think in that vignette my the reason that I included the vignette was to kind of think about um how can I say this like uh you know what what's at stake in engaging in this labor right and I think that's something that I like 
it is about the physicality of it and these kinds of things, but my ability to withdraw from that labor so seamlessly, right, uh, talks about that. That I think emphasizes how this labor is is very bodily and bodily is important. But there's this other aspect of it that's let's say more social or more political, right? That allows one to enter in, allows me to enter in and leave in a certain way that others who engage in this labor can't, right? And so when I, you know, talked about that kind of like, um, like I'm preoccupied with it, with my hands because I left, right? I don't know if the same kind of preoccupation, and I don't know, I mean, this is an open question, but I, I, I don't know if the same kind of preoccupation with the state of one's hands being dirty, right, um, would impact a waste worker, right? And what engages them what, what preoccupies them is you know other stuff i describe in that chapter right so like building a home gaining access to land thinking about the medical care that's required like these kinds of things right and so you know um i think that's where i was like thinking about you know the difference about writing about bodies and writing through bodies is just a two two different types of um kind of uh ways of thinking about um what you know these this like form of labor that's highly corporeal and highly stigmatizing, you know, it goes back to that question of, you know, what worlds open up to us. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah. And that's sort of how I, you know, have engaged with this question of, of the body. Um, but it was something that I, 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 you know, I still don't feel fully kind of satisfied with on some level. Um, mm-hmm. but that's sort of where I've ended up on it at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing this with us. And another part of the book that drew my attention methodologically was your discussion of who was not included, right? So can you speak to how you grappled with who not to follow or who not to write about? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, there is a sort of, uh, what's the term again? The ethnographic refusal kind of uh-huh. uh, uh, thing, right? And which you know I think is there, and it's something that I um, have have uh, you know I think we've all you know people who have come you know been trained in many years or the you know whatever more recently, you know uh, I think we do this much more. We, we're consistent constantly doing this, right? I think you know that kind of um, previous idea of you know ethnographic refusal is like a moment in which you do something or you kind of whatever. And I think there's, you know, I think because of the reflexivity that, I mean, I hope, hopefully we all kind of enjoy and engage in constantly, uh, you know, it, it, it is something that's prior to research, it's during research, it's in the process of writing and all these kinds of things. And so, I mean, one of the main ones, and I talk about this um, in the book quite early on is sort of not, not, being able to and not even pursuing further, let's say, research with uh, waste workers who are sort of um, coming from uh, Afghanistan and Khyber Bakhtunkhwa, uh, who were are you know are 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 still very much a dominant part of the waste kind of sector in throughout Pakistan, but definitely in Lahore, and ha- that having to do with you know them you know being surveilled by, you know, the Pakistani army and police and, and these kinds of things. And, you know, um, you know, right after I finished my long-term field work, you know, there was a kind of, you know, uh, you know, especially sort of, uh, 
workers who were, you know, came to Pakistan after the sort of Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, but also, you know, after the, the, the sort of American uh, invasion of Afghanistan in 2000, after 2001, um, you know, a lot of these people who have been settled in Lahore for, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 years, you know, immediately having their sort of um, identity cards disabled by the Pakistani state in 2016, right? And sort of a very strong anti-Pashtun kind of um, strand in, in in Pakistan, Pakistani politics. Um, and, you know, it was one of these things where I, you know, be, by the nature of my fieldwork, I would meet people and sort of, you know, they had these workers, the Pashtun workers would have very close relationships with municipal sanitation workers and informal workers. And I could have, you know, easily, not easily, I could have eventually continued to do it and build the relationships and, you know, do that. Um, but, you know, the first few times um, I met people, there was, yeah, there was just a degree of, uh, of uh, suspicion and distrust and, and these things. And I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't include them, but not because I don't think their lives aren't valuable or it doesn't have, you know, it was more kind of, you know, is it, um, yeah, I'm still like not clear about the language, but, you know, is it necessary for me to do this? For my work, and I just thought it wasn't the kind of uh, possibilities of um, undue attention, of sus- further suspicion, just of discomfort. Um, I just did not want to sort of even enter into that space a little bit, uh, and so just you know always remaining a bit distant in that sense. And and you know in that sense, I think you know my account isn't complete, right? And it's not perfect or something like that. Right. And that's like total, that's fine by me as well. Um, and so, but then there's also kind of larger, um, kind of, uh, not larger, but a related kind of question about how, you know, there's, you know, when you ever, you're doing ethnographic field work, you just have so much stuff thrown at you. Right. And it always becomes a kind of question of, you know, what to include, what do you yeah, not that what you deem valuable, but what, um, yeah, how how do you end up including things and not including other things, right? Um, And so um, part of it was also, um, yeah, even with kind of people who I was doing fieldwork with, uh, not including certain things because, I mean, sometimes it's not relevant, but sometimes it's also, yeah, it it, it kind of... um, would lead to um, certain questions that I, I, I don't necessarily think were ones that I was invested in pursuing, right? Um, and so, um, and also limited access. I mean, I think the field work I did was very much with men uh, in Pakistan. The access, the relationship with women were, you know, was not completely absent, was but was limited. Um, and, um, you know, I... I, I, I once again, I think that limitation isn't a mark of failure necessarily or in, incompleteness, but it's more uh, a limit to then, um, uh, yeah, a, a limit that then allows you to reflect on certain things, right? Um, and so, um, but yeah, and I think, but I think the most important kind of, or most significant, um, you know, and and that's where I say I think in maybe the acknowledgments are somewhere. It, I'm still writing about those worlds and lives, even if they're not. Like they weren't my research interlocutors, right? Um, there's still something about what I'm describing, which is uh, is directly uh, 
uh, built on those like lives and those worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing this with us. And my last question is directed towards the future. So what is next for you? What are some new questions, research projects, or courses that you're working on right now? Yeah, no, I think, um, well, what's next for me right now is to sort of take a break after <laughs> getting hooked <laughs> on and everything like that. Uh, but no, I, I am, I am think I am, you know, I'll be, I was in Pakistan um, this past, uh, last year from July till December, uh, and I'll be going there just in a month or so as well. And, um, you know, it was, it, you know, I, I think I was uh, going back after, you know, not being able to go because of COVID and all these sorts of things. I was really excited. Um, you know, it's a different stage in the process of, you know, you're done with the PhD and, you know, you're doing a new kind of work and you have other kind of personal and professional commitments that like make two years of field work not possible, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think, um, I've been sort of trying to, you know, obviously last year, uh, especially, but more and more, uh, sort of the impact that, you know, climate change is having on Pakistan. And, you know, last year, I'm sure you're aware of it, of the floods that happened uh, in certain parts of the country. Um, And so that's something that sort of um, was not on my mind, was on my mind before of doing something on climate the fact that climate change is having on virus on sort of various parts of Pakistan and then these floods happening, but also not wanting to do, yeah, chase disaster research. That's not what I'm interested in at all. Um, But, you know, I'm thinking of a sort of multi-sided research project um, looking at the effects of climate change on, um, on Pakistan that sort of links across the kind of urban agrarian kind of landscape um, and looking at different couple of regions and yeah, looking at questions of, you know, um, I mean, in a sense, less, less about, I mean, climate is obviously part of it, but um, looking at sort of these kind of changing relationships between land and water um, and like, like, like labor and livelihoods uh, in these spaces and, um, you know, how this, you know, the region of Punjab has been kind of a site of intense uh, infrastructural intervention around water and labor and agriculture. And now with climate change, how that sort of um, history of it, like intensive intervention is, um, yeah, I mean, the infrastructure has exacerbated a lot of this climate uh, change impacts, uh, impacts of climate change, um, but also looking at various kinds of um, um yeah, political movements that have for, you know, several decades now, but more recently been fighting against a lot of this sort of uh, infra- water infrastructure, um, you know, that's, you know, um, so embedded in sort of the agrarian economy too. this sort of infrastructural water infrastructure um, and looking at, you know, various kinds of movements uh, from sort of, you know, very much kind of peasant movements to more sort of ethno-linguistic movements in sort of peripheries of Pakistan to kind of understand the kind of political horizons that kind of are confronting us. Um, And in that sense, you know, um, you know, some of the questions I've been interested in around infrastructure and labor are are still there. Um, But now foregrounding, you know, kind of issues and ecological kind of concerns around water and land. and, uh, and, and agriculture itself. Um, and so, yeah, the courses, 
I just taught a course on, uh, as an advanced undergraduate course that I taught on climate, which was quite fun, um, you know, to try to, especially at a sort of advanced undergraduate level, to have the students think about how can you sort of um, do a sort of ethnography of, of, of climate, right? What is climate as sort of a, as an object of study? Um, but then also thinking about, you know, the politics of climate change, but also like a political climate and sort of connecting these things of, you know, um, climactic change and sort of right wing kind of political movements uh, and sort of resurgent, a resurgent nationalism in many parts of the world um, and these sorts of questions. So I think um, that was quite helpful. And, you know, I think thinking about something like, you know, in the class, you know, um, thinking about issues of justice and reparations within the, you know, as, as a about climate, but also like climate as part of these other histories of racism and indigenous dispossession and colonialism too. So um, that class was quite exciting. And the undergraduates were, you know, quite, um, what's the word? I didn't, I, I didn't find it as uphill of a battle to sort of convince them of this, right? I, it seems like it's, you know, in the kind of um, milieu or the ether, right? It's kind of out there already. Um, and so uh, that class was quite, uh, fun to teach. Um, and so, yeah, and I'll be teaching, you know, a class that I'm really excited at some point uh, about the future of work and thinking about work and changing dynamics to it, which is not necessarily part of my research, but uh, I mean, and I guess it is in the sense of, you know, in Pakistan uh, and a lot of places, you know, that um, agricultural labor is, you know, seen as no longer, um, you know, a sustainable kind of labor for many people, right? And there's kind of that kind of what is the future of agricultural work in a, in a kind of context where climate and uh, infrastructure and all these things are really making uh, agrarian livelihoods much more, much less sustainable for people, right? Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like that will be also kind of a course that it, you know, intersects with my res- future research in a kind of interesting way, I think. Yeah, these all sound very fascinating, and your students are so lucky. I wish I could take these <laughs> courses. <laughs> so thank you very much, Wakas, for joining us and for your insights. No, great. Thank you so much. And yeah, those are wonderful questions, and I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and speak with you and have people hear about uh, the work and stuff. So thank you so much. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. This is your host, Aliza Arjan. This discussion of life beyond waste, work in infrastructure in urban Pakistan, published by Stanford University Press in 2022, is brought to you by the New Books Network. Thank you for listening.